Lord, we just commit this moment of our gathering to you. Lord, I just again want to thank you for every amazing person here. Every amazing person who might listen by podcast. I speak a blessing on them right now in Jesus' name. But Lord, thank you that you're advancing your church. Thank you that you have great plans for the church, but for every individual in the church, Lord God. And we submit to your plans right now. I pray you could use someone like me to stir up great people like these in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, turn to two people and say, it's going to be good. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say, this is for you. <laughs> How many times do you listen to a preach and, and think to yourself, oh, I must be speaking to someone else? No, it's for you. This is for you. There's something here for everyone. I love the fact that we get together and we have these God encounters, these moments, and I long for them and I promote them and it's create space for them. But I also love the fact that we're clever, clever people who get choices in life. And if we can get around God's word and make great choices around God's word in life, not only will we have good moments, but we'll have a good life. Shouldn't the moments in church come out of great choices through the week? And, and so, you know, lots of different preachers I give, some that are hitting you in the heart, some that are causing people to cry, some that are challenging. But how about today we start making some great life choices to say, I'm going somewhere with my God, he's in charge, but I know his plans for me are good. And that takes continual life choices. It's, it is, there's holy moments, there, there's impact moments, there's moments of healing, and we love them and we look for them. But life also is choices. And we need to be making good choices. I love the way we can come together and set each other up to win on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. Maybe you're not gathering with the saints on those days, but your father's with you. And you get to make great choices. Who knows that right now we live in a society which is so fast-paced, so quick, fe- uh, quick, quick fix society, that we want everything to happen right now. We live in that society, don't we? You know, I've just changed my internet provider at home, and we were averaging about 13 megabytes per second, which I think is about average. But now I get 55. 55. If I press the button, it is on my screen. If Sarah presses the button, it's also on her screen. You know, our provider can now have 15 devices in our house, and it won't affect the speed. 55 megabytes per second. You tell me what you want, I'll have it for you right now. That's the society we live in, isn't it? The great plus is that my Josh is a bit of an Xbox guy, and and you're probably all familiar with Fortnite. Sorry to bring it up in church. But he downloads the Fortnite stuff, and all his friends were waiting about six or seven hours for this update to download, but not with 55 megabytes. (laughs) We are talking 20 minutes, and he's like, I'm on there first, I'm getting ahead of the game. Are you on there yet? I've got it unlucky, 55 megabytes. But we want everything in life now. But I believe God actually teaches us process. And he has got suddenlies for us where things will happen now. But they're going to happen here and we're here and he takes us on a process because you're clever people where we will start reading his word, applying it to our life and then there's going to be a suddenly where it does happen now. But on the process, he's doing something on the inside of you so you are able to handle the suddenly. I've read so many stories of people who've won the lottery. Give me a wave if you'd like to win the millions on the lottery. If your hand's not up, you're telling me a porky pie right now. Or you've got arm oh, make, maybe. But I've read lots of stories where people win the millions, 
but have never been in a process to handle the millions and their life falls apart. So they think the answer to all their issues is the money, but the money becomes the issue because they've never been on the process. So God, through his word, teaches us process. It's not that he doesn't want you to have things now, but he wants you to be able to handle those things so it's a benefit to you. Do you see? So this is all good stuff. The title for today, if you're into titles, is The Process to a Suddenly. Let's start here in Luke 19, uh, verse 11 through 21. It says this. While they were listening to this, this was Jesus speaking, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. You see, they're exactly the same as we are. Sometimes we read about disciples. Sometimes we read about the Jewish people. Sometimes we read about the people in the Bible and we think, oh, that was them. Do you know what? Not much has changed. Jesus was there, so they thought, here we go. It's all going to happen right now. Jesus is going to sort it out. I'm not going to have to do anything at all. I'm just going to enjoy the journey. It's going to happen now. I think that's where we're still at. Jesus is in the midst of us, so it's going to happen right now, isn't it, church? But he teaches us process. Because he wants us to have it right now, but can we handle it right now? That's a question for you to wrestle with. They thought it was going to happen at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Ten minas is about three months' wages, according to the notes in my Bible. Uh, But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out where where they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you. Turn to the person next to you and say, Afraid. Because you are a hard man, you take what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. Here's the thing. The disciples are with Jesus and they're expecting it to happen at once. And Jesus, knowing that's what's in their thought processes, tells them this story. You see, there are cities to be had, but there's a process to work through. You see, what's in this story here is seed, ten minas. I'll give you seed. But then there's decisions to be made. You see, the people know in their heart that this man's going to be king. But do they agree with their heart in their mind so that they can go on the journey? And the first two did exactly that. They said, you're the king. You're about to be king. You've given me seed. I believe that in my heart. So I am going to agree that I need to go on this journey. And they start Sowing the seed. They start doing what they can. They start making choices. Then there was a suddenly. He comes back. Who knows the king's coming back. Then there's a suddenly. You see, we want it now. They didn't know the time scale. All they knew is that they had an agreement in their heart and mind and they had some seed. 
And they went on a journey. They went on a process. They sowed the seed. They made some decisions. They implemented the opportunity. And then suddenly the king returns. Now, I don't know what your picture of that is. If I was given three months' worth of money and said invest it, I would expect a return in money. Yeah? Yeah. But the king always, always goes above and beyond. They didn't inherit money. They inherited cities. Isn't that the father's heart right there? Do you know the same is true today as it was then? That we have seed. We have a king returning. We have agreement in our heart, but do we have agreement in our mind? You see, the third guy, he says, I was afraid. So I kept it safe. I haven't lost it for you. It's still here. Have it back. So what he believed was, yes, I've got seed. In my heart, I know you're going to be king and you're coming back. But in my mind, I was scared. I didn't want to mess it up. And what happened The disagreement between his mind and his heart through fear caused him to lose his suddenly altogether. And I wonder how many of us are living in this place where there's something going on in our heart. We've got something in our hand, but something is robbing the agreement between heart and mind. And when heart and mind don't agree, there's disunity. And when there's disunity, it robs the blessing. And so here's this opportunity for us suddenly. And it wasn't even more money. It was cities. How many people believe in this time God is going to give his church cities? But what are we doing with the seed? What is going on in our heart? And what is going on in our mind? You see, what robbed the man of his blessing was fear. I thought I'd mess it up. I thought it might go wrong. I knew you were a hard man. I didn't want to get it wrong, so I did nothing. How many people in this room alone, how many people might listen on podcasts are having this suddenly ruined because they're scared they might mess it up. They're scared that someone might judge them. They're scared it might go wrong. And so therefore they do nothing. There's a dream in the heart, but there's no unity with the mind. And because of this unity, the suddenly is robbed. God wants to take his church on a process where we get our hearts and our mind in agreement and we go on a journey with him, seed in our hand, and the king's going to come back and there's going to be a suddenly. There's a suddenly for the church, but I believe there's a suddenly for you as an individual. That God wants to bless you. I love the fact that God doesn't need us. God could do anything he wants. But God chooses relationship. For whatever reason, God chooses me and you. He says, I want to touch humanity in this world, and I'm going to do it through the church. Now, if I was God, that's a stupid idea. Have a look at us all. (laughs) But he knows best. He says, I trust you guys. I've put something in your heart. I've given you something to work with. Now, if you will agree together and with yourself, there's going to be a suddenly. There are cities to be had. Can we start dreaming cities? Can we start dreaming the king's dream? You know, I think sometimes we're sometimes dreaming about our family members. Sometimes we're dreaming about our next door neighbor. Sometimes we're dreaming about our personal world. And all those things are real and valid and just. But God's dreaming cities. Plural. Come on, church. Let the Holy Spirit stir you to have a dream for cities. You know, we're very international in this room. What cities can we start dreaming for? Could the world be changed by the church that starts agreeing with heart and mind with the Father who's coming back with a suddenly? 
That's his heart for you. Psalm 133, it speaks of unity. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There I command the blessing. I wonder why it is then that we so often have to fight for unity. Because when there's unity, there's a blessing. How many of you have been in churches before and the thing that goes wrong is they all start disagreeing over things that probably don't even really matter? And the church splits. Who's laughing? The king or the enemy? Because disunity steals the suddenly. And God is taking us as his church on a process into the suddenly. Proverbs 6 verses 16 through 19 says this. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Discord is the very opposite to unity. It brings the question. It asks the why. It says, I don't agree. It just causes hassle, and it stops unity. And when the unity is stopped, the commanded blessings hindered. Uh, I just love that list, you know. A proud look. Some translations say haughty look. Who knows how annoying it is when you're sharing your heart with someone, they just look you up and down like you're a piece of dirt or something. It's like, who are you? God hates that stuff. A haughty look like I'm better than you. Who on earth do you think you are? Do you know, we're called to be humble. Let's look at each other and go, wow, you're amazing. We don't have to agree with everything together, but on the key issues, let's cheer each other on. But here... God says, I hate discord. And discord can come in in all kinds of ways. In that story we just looked at, discord came in through fear. I know in my heart this is right, but I have no unity with my thought process. My thought process says this is going to be scary, so I won't do it. No unity. God hates that. Discord can come in arrogance and pride. Oh, I'm too good for this. Why would I do that? And it stops the unity and it causes discord and it steals the blessing. So we need to be a bunch of people and you need to be an individual who is humble enough to fight for the unity. To spot the issues in ourselves to say, I'm causing disunity here. So actually, I know God hates that. And I'm going to bow the knee and say, you're God and I'm not. I'm going to play my part in unity. What couldn't a church in unity achieve? And could, that, could we be part of that? That's why we're excited about the Pentecost. The church of cultures to come in together. You know, it's hard enough to get a location church in unity where we all agree about everything. That's hard enough. What about the church of cultures to agree about something? And we don't agree on everything. And clearly they know I'm right. <laughs> but we don't agree on everything. But you know what? We agree about prayer. We agree about the Holy Spirit. We agree about Jesus rising. We agree about healing. So let's get together around the things we do agree with then. And let's see what God could do. There's a city to be had. Come on, let's play our part in it. Let's get behind this kind of stuff. You know, sometimes I think we want a great marriage. Let me wave if you're married in the room. Round of applause for the married people. Love that. No one enters a marriage thinking this is going to be rubbish. But I guarantee you, four or five down, years down the line, some of those people are saying, this is rubbish. And do you know why? Discord. The hardest thing to fight for in a marriage is unity. Why? Because two people come together with different ideas. You know, clearly in our house, I'm the tidy one. 
And I'm like, says, come on. You know, clearly. <laughs> I'm going to stop, actually. <laughs> it might be divorce on the... <laughs> but when two people come together, what you're fighting for is unity. You don't have to agree on everything, but you have to find common ground. That takes a process. The people, mum and dad are in their 50th year of marriage. Yeah. Who knows, that took a process. They are here now having their suddenly moment, the year of Jubilee, because for 50 years they've gone through some stuff together. And they will have had dips and they've had highs, but in the dips they stood together and they looked at each other and said, come on, we're in this together. In the highs they celebrate together. And in the, mid, in the plateau moments they just get along together. Marriages, fight for unity. Fight for unity. Because a blessing is commanded in that place. And in a, in a time when marriage is under attack, and I think the average marriage is lasting six years or something nowadays, how about the church lead the way in saying, 50 years of marriage, 60 years of marriage, 70 years of marriage, married till we died. Because that's God's heart, and we're declaring something to the world. You know, we all want great children, but who knows? It's a process. If it's a wave of your parent in the room, a round of applause for the parents in the room. It takes energy. It is hard work. Those same people who wave, put your hand up again if being a parent is really, really easy. <laughs> See, it's difficult, but when you parent together in unity, you create a place where a blessing's commanded. But it's a journey. And do you know what? There's suddenly moments. There's a process to that suddenly moment. When your child comes up and gives you a hug and says, I love you for the first time. Who remembers that experience? Just wow. You know, when, when your son or daughter achieves something, you know, maybe a sports achievement or a music achievement or, a, or an academic achievement or whatever it is they're into, you're like, wow. Do you know why? Because you love them, you love them, you love them. And you set them up to win. But that's a process. But then you get those suddenly moments. How many people have decided we want to be a bit healthier? And in your heart, you're saying, I want to be healthier. So I'm going to cut out the fast food. I'm going to try and do a little bit more exercise. I'm going to try and have a bit better sleep. And in your heart, that's what you want. But who knows when you go swimming at the swimming pool? <laughs> swimming makes you really hungry, doesn't it? And you come out of the swimming pool, what's the first thing you smell? The golden arches. <laughs> Mackie D's. They're not stupid, these McDonald's people, are they? In that moment, do you have unity? In my heart, I want to be healthier. I'd like to lose a bit of weight. I want to feel good about myself. But in my head, McDonald's. I'm peckish. One more won't hurt. Do you know what that is? Discord. It's discord within yourself. How about we start fighting for unity within ourselves? How about we start fighting for unity in our marriage? How about we start fighting for unity in our homes? How about we start fighting for unity in our churches? How about that could start fighting for unity in our cities? And the world changes. And as Michael Jackson said, it starts with you. The man in the mirror. They don't get any better. 
in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and you'll all know this, you know, this is one of those stories that even if you're not a church person, you, everyone knows the story of the feeding of the 5,000. But the reality is they only counted men. So it's 5,000 men. So let's assume they're married, and let's assume they've got a couple of kids. It's probably the feeding of the 20,000, actually, which just puts it on another level. The first thing the disciples say to Jesus is, send them away because they're hungry. Now, now, what you need to know is they've been on an extended period of, of, of training. They've been on an extended period of ministry. Is it that the people are hungry? Or is it the disciples are hungry? Oh, send them away. They're, they're clearly hungry, Jesus. Oh. How many of us miss our suddenly because of our need? How many of us give up too soon? When the suddenly is just there, but I'm hungry, I'm afraid, I'm skint, uh, you know? And here the disciples nearly missed it because they would say, send them away, send them away. But what happens? The young boy comes with seed, some loaves and some fishes. And Jesus says to him, go feed them. Now, picture the idea of unity in this scenario. The disciples have seen Jesus do amazing things. You know, all kinds of outrageous things. In their heart, they know Jesus has got this because they've seen it. They've seen bigger than this. In their heart, they know. But then he says, you do it. What's going on in their head? Could fear have robbed that moment? Hang on a minute. Got a couple of loaves here. Got a couple of fishes. 20,000 people. In that moment, do you go, I'm going to look a bit of a fool here. This is a bit embarrassing. Are you sure, Jesus? If there was a moment of discord then, they would have never got there suddenly. But they had a choice to make. Jesus says, here's some seed. I'm the king. I'm telling you this is going to happen. You know it in your heart it's going to happen. How many of us know Jesus can do all things in our heart? How many of us know that in our heart we know that? How many of us think that when the moment comes? And can you see this fight for unity within ourselves changes everything? And so they had a decision to make. And, and the story in the, in the Bible, the biblical account, doesn't, you know, did they have a chat amongst themselves? Did they go, what do you reckon, Peter? Oh, I don't know. What do you think, John? Oh, I'm not really sure. Bartholomew. <laughs> you know, they've they got all this chat. Amongst, I don't know if that happened. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. And actually, they're like, yeah, come on. I'm believing for a church that says, yeah, come on. You know, the miracle didn't happen when Jesus gave the command. The miracle didn't happen when the boy brought his loaves and fishes. The miracle happened when the disciples went on a process of handing it out in faith. And I wonder what it looked like. We know this. They had a couple of fishes, a couple of loaves at the start. And at the end, they had 12 baskets over. How did that pan out? You know, at some point, they've got about as much as we had for communion just then. And as they hand it out, what happens? Did it just, just not end or did it start multiplying? In the, I don't know how it happened. But I know this. On the process, it happened. And it's a miracle. And when they started off thinking they couldn't feed the 20,000 people, they ended up with so much left over. They were like, I didn't see that coming. And I believe God wants to take his church on a journey where we look at what could be a problem. But when there's a seed in our hand and faith in our heart, if we can get into agreement and says, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm just going to do it. 
then the overflow won't only see the need met, but it will go way beyond because it's cities. Because the king's vision is always bigger than your vision. And so if you're someone believing for a great marriage, a great business, if you're someone looking for a better health report, I know this. Get your heart and your mind convinced that God can do it and you'll get your suddenly. But it's down to you. The disciples chose to agree with their heart and their mind. They chose and then they came there suddenly. The process led to a suddenly. I love it here in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 23 says this. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. What that's saying is they believed that if they lived good enough, if they ticked all the, big, uh, all the correct boxes in their lifestyle, then God would be happy with that. But the reality is that's religion and God's never happy with that. We could never be good enough. Um, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish or without spot. He indeed was foredained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, loving, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we have this picture here of it's not about what you do. It's about who you believe in and what he did. And so we have this opportunity to be saved from the wrestles of this world, from sickness, from strife, from lack, into the kingdom of abundance with a hope of heaven. Not because of anything I've done, but because of everything Jesus did. And all we need to do is say, thank you, I accept you, and I choose now to marry my heart and mind to live your way. And it brings good stuff, always brings good stuff. But you notice there, it says they went on a journey living it out. It was a process. God is looking for his people to go on a process. And it talks here about the word, which is incorruptible seed. I don't know, what you're in, you know what's going on in your world right now, but I know this. There is something in God's word that will help you with that situation. God's word covers everything. Whatever you're up against, it is in there. And you know what? The Bible calls it incorruptible seed. So whatever situation you find yourself in, you have seed. Yeah. It's there. So now the question is, if you've got seed in any situation, what do you believe in your heart? Can my God do what he says he can do in his word? Do I believe that? And if you do, then it's, am I going to do something about it then? How am I, what's my thought process going to be because of that? And when your thought process and your heart and your seed come together, cities will be one. When your thought process and your heart and your seed come together, your marriage will go somewhere different. When your thought process and your heart and your seed come together, your finances will go somewhere different. Your health will go somewhere different. Because the battle isn't for those things. The battle is for unity. Who do you really believe in? Is all this just a concept and a nice thought? Does it give you a good feeling on a Sunday? Or is it your world to say, I'm going to... Live the life God called me to because he will always give me over and above what I was dreaming for. Verse 22 there, it says that they were obeying the truth. They were living like it. It was what was going on. I wonder what suddenlies you could experience if you applied this stuff. You didn't just come on a Sunday and go, oh, that was nice. 
quite funny, that guy at the front, isn't he? I wonder what would happen if you actually stopped for a moment and said, okay, God, let me grab this. What's the hope you've put in my heart? I know you can do it. I believe it. So how is it going to change how I think? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you're thinking because your world will be different. I wonder what suddenly is going to happen in your business world. I'm really cheering on business people in this season. I believe God is raising up businessmen and women because the kingdom needs financing. And he wants to bless your cotton socks off you. Genuinely. Go and have an awesome life. Drive a flash car, have a big house. Do whatever you want, but fund the kingdom. Because mission's going to happen because of you. Because churches are going to be built because of you. Because people are going to be housed and homed and blessed because of you. And it's got to come from somewhere. And I believe he's raising up a generation. It always amazes me the amount of students we get coming through this church who are studying law and economics. We need people who know their onions in these areas of life because people are going to get set free and mission is going to be funded. So let's cheer each other on and pray for each other. But do you believe that here? And will you start thinking like it here? Because when you do, you've got the seed of his word in the midst of it or you've got every ingredient you need to inherit cities. And that's what the Father has always wanted for us. What suddenly is could a church experience if we went on the process of fighting for unity you know we've got a dream in our heart to see our town changed we've got a dream in our heart to become a regional church where people travel in you know i love the james family so if here gives a wave james family round of applause for the james family they're a bit shy and retiring sometimes but they're awesome people they travel from chelmsford every sunday evening service band practice they travel why? Because they see something that God's doing here and they want to be part of it. I believe they're a first fruit. We're going to see people traveling. Stephen Germain, where's Stephen Germain? Are they? They're at the back. Awesome round of applause, Stephen Germain. <laughs> they travel in every single week from around the Dagenham area. Every week. Been doing it for years. I think in about two or three weeks' time, they actually moved to Colchester. Yeah, come on. Which is awesome. But they've demonstrated something, I believe, they're a first fruit. People will want to travel here because God is going to do something amazing. But you know what it takes? It takes for us all to start believing that in our heart and our all to start thinking like that, which will affect how we speak and will affect this city. Can you see what's happening? God is up to something, and whether you like it or not, you're in the middle of it. So how about we just jump in with what he's doing? I've challenged my prayer life for, for years now. Stop praying prayers that Barry Roberts wants to pray and start praying prayers that Jesus wants to pray. Because I just want to join him with what he's already doing. You know, I haven't got a better idea than him. You know, if I was you, God, I think I would just... Um, Colchester needs this, that and the other. I think you should do that. No, God, what are you doing? Okay, I'm going to agree with that and so I'm going to live like it. And I'm going to pray like it. Because he wants to use people like me and you to shift something so that people live around us with hope in their heart so people live around us out of the overflow of what's going on in church do you know who gets glorified in that king jesus and i love it final point i wanted to make for you here in matthew 28 great commission um, verses 18 through 20 says this jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority turn to the person next to you and say authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. Jesus has been given all authority. 
You see, he went down to hell. He looked Satan in the eye and said, you cannot hold me. You've got nothing on me. And he took the keys of life and he walked out. The stone was rolled away. Just every, I don't care where you stand in faith, when you look at what happened and you look at even the historical evidence, non-biblical, because you might want to take that out of it if you don't believe in the Bible. But even though it's there. It happened. 500 people saw him. Not all Jesus believing, they saw him. It happened. And so he came out holding the keys of life saying, it is finished. And then he says, now I've got the authority. And then he says, church, go. Because I'm giving you the authority. And here's the thing, and I love this analogy. If a policeman stepped, you're driving your car, and a policeman steps out in front of your car and does that, what do you do? Good answer. Good answer. Otherwise, the policeman's had a nightmare. If the policeman stands out in front of you and does that, you stop. Why do you stop? Is it because he's so strong he could push your car back? Or is it because he has authority? So therefore, you stop. There is nothing special about that man. He's not Superman. He's not stronger than you. But he has authority. His uniform says there's an authority on me that you need to obey. So you stop. I wonder if any of us in this room don't even know what authority is on us. You you see, because you're standing in in the way of something going stop, but you don't believe it. And so it's not stopping. But when you understand the authority of Jesus, if Jesus stood in this room right now and said, stop, everything stops. Why? Because there's total unity in who he is, what he thinks, and his relationship with his father. We could have that. But the reality is we're on a process. So let's not beat each other up that we're not there yet. Let's go on the journey of taking one step closer to Jesus. One more step closer to Jesus. Let's understand this authority. Because I want homelessness in this town to stop. I want children growing up with no fathers to stop. I want lack to stop because I came here to declare the kingdom of heaven and there is no lack in heaven. There are no tears in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no homelessness in heaven. And I want to see heaven on earth now. But in order to do that, bringing it all together, we've got to have some seed, God's word in our life. We've got to have a heart agreement in faith. And then we need to have thought process to marry it all together so there is unity. Then the authority comes on you. And when you say stop, it stops. Not because it's your idea, but because you're so close to the Father, it was always his idea. So when you're saying stop in Jesus' name, you're saying what was his prayer anyway? But it takes a journey to get to that place. I guess my question to the church today is will you go on that process of getting so close to Jesus that the authority of heaven can rest on you and cities will be inherited? And I guess I believe that to be true. I believe God's doing something in our church. I believe God's doing something in the lives of the individuals in our church. We're shifting. We can sense it. But the great thing is people are going to be blessed. People are going to be housed. People are going to encounter the love of God through you and the authority you carry because you went on a process which led to a suddenly. And on the journey, you developed a whole bunch of faith. And what was in your heart started to marry up with what was in your head. And then the words of faith were coming out 
because you fought for some unity. The Father's heart is always over and above what our hearts could be. And I'm sure every single one of you hopes for a great life. Sure you do. But God's hope for you is greater than that. And to get there, it takes some faith, it takes some unity of heart and mind, it takes some wrestling it through together and looking back going, wow, that was a journey. But we're winning cities. It's the only agreement in the house. God's up to something and I want to be in the middle of it. Can I invite you to stand? I'd love to pray for you. I just want to invite you just to close your eyes if you're willing you don't have to but it's just helpful in this moment just to give your focus to God just to give the person next to you a moment so they know you're not looking at them it's just helpful Jesus. I just want to start out by giving people opportunity because we've spent an hour and a half together this morning in the presence of God I know he's been up to some stuff and my question to you today is do you know Jesus this awesome life which we describe do you experience that and therefore do you want to know Jesus because all it takes from your part is just opening up and saying Jesus you're welcome here and he'll take you on a process and I guarantee you you'll never look back so if there's anyone here today that says yes I want to know Jesus I want to be right with Jesus. I want to go on that journey. Just give me a wave because I'm going to pray with you. Bless you, bless you. Bless you, bless you. Bless you there. Anyone else? I can see three people so far. Bless you there. Four people. Bless you there. Five people. Bless you there. Six people. So good. Two more seconds. Is there anyone else? Bless you there. So, so good. I just want to encourage any of you guys have responded just to have a chat with the, the guys who prayed earlier. They'll seal this in with you. But let's pray a prayer together. People are getting right with Jesus. Heaven's rejoicing. A process is beginning. Cities are going to be won. So let's pray together. I'll say a line, you follow it. Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you your plans are good for me. I choose to honour you with my life, to invite you in to be central. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give Father a round of applause because that's just awesome. But let's not lose the moment. Just one more thing I just want to pray before we worship some more. Let's just stay focused. I just believe that the Holy Spirit just wants to stir up the faith in his church. I just sense that when I'm saying some of those things, there's a cry in your heart going, yes, yes, that's, yes, I want that. Well, wouldn't it be awesome if there's a gang of people who felt like that and we prayed together and said, come on, we're going to go on this journey. If that's you today, give me a wave. If you're saying, I want to go on this process of living the life I was called to, of uniting my heart and mind around the seed of God's word so cities can be one. If that's you today, come on, let's pray together. Give me a wave. Oh, so good. Awesome, people around the room. Father God, you see the hands, you see the hearts. Lord, we are your church and we love you. We lay ourselves down before you afresh, Lord Jesus, and say, use us, send us. Lord, I just pray that your authority would rest on the church, Lord God. Lord, I come against fear 
and any form of discord in Jesus' name right now. I break its power over you and I declare blessing and unity over you right now. Thank you, Lord God, that where there's unity, you command the blessing and that's where we want to walk. So I say go in the authority of Jesus, all of the church. And all those people said, Amen.